Welcome to Religion for Life, a program at the intersection of religion, social justice, and public life. Religion for Life is a co-production of WETS on the campus of East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, Tennessee, and WEHC on the campus of Emory and Henry College, Emory, Virginia. I'm John Schack, minister of the First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. One of the most interesting debates going on right now is whether or not Jesus existed. More and more voices are claiming that Jesus is no more historical than King Arthur. What do we really know about the historical Jesus? Today is the second of our four-part series entitled, Will the Real Jesus Please Rise? In this series, I speak with four of the most prolific, provocative, and outspoken scholars regarding the historical Jesus in the United States. Each of them has a unique view of the historical Jesus. Dr. John Dominic Crossan and Dr. Robert M. Price will be coming up. My guest today is Dr. Bart Ehrman, the James A. Gray Distinguished Professor of Religious Studies at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. He's a leading authority on New Testament and the history of early Christianity. He is the author of at least 25 books, and most of these are for popular audiences. Uh, This uh, latest is Did Jesus Exist? The Historical Argument for Jesus of Nazareth. The question did Jesus exist seems pretty obvious. Many people affirm not only that Jesus existed, but that he's the second person of the Trinity. Others who don't believe in God at least think he existed as a person, but apparently there are those who doubt his existence, and they've caught your attention, Dr. Ehrman. Uh, According to the mythicists, as they call themselves, the Gospels or the stories about Jesus are fictions from beginning to end. Therefore, Jesus did not exist as an historical person. Jesus is a myth. And you write in your book that this view doesn't have a foothold or even a toehold in the academy. Why do you think, uh, given that, that you needed to write a book to refute their position? (laughs) Yes, well, that's a great question. And uh, so about every week, well, every week, I get about two or three emails from people asking me whether I think Jesus existed. And so even though uh, these mythicists, the people who think that Jesus is a myth, uh, are not uh, are not teaching in major research universities around the country or in Europe. Uh, they're having a big influence, uh, especially on the internet. And a number of them have written books uh, over the last twenty years. They're, uh, over the last four or five years, they've increased. Uh, and so there's there's a lot of information out there, or rather misinformation, by people who want to say that Jesus did not exist. And so it occurred to me that there's never been a scholar who tried to prove that Jesus did exist. Uh, and so that, that was the task that I took on, is to try and prove that, that Jesus really, really did live. And, and it's important to be clear, and correct me if I'm wrong, that, that you're not saying that the Jesus of the Nicene Creed is historical, or the narratives Christians celebrate at Christmas, or the resurrection Christians celebrate at Easter, or that any of the miracles go back to the historical Jesus. Those are legends from your point of view, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually not a Christian. I'm, a, uh, I'm an agnostic, although I was raised in Christian circles and had a Christian uh, upbringing and Christian education. But I'm, I'm not a Christian now, and I'm not promoting a Christian agenda. I'm simply approaching this as a historian, uh, looking at the historical facts uh, as well as we can muster them. What can we say? And, and one thing we can say with uh, virtual certainty is that, is that Jesus existed, and we can say a few things uh, uh, about him as I, as I detail in my book. And so the focus then of your book uh, is the relatively narrow question of the existence of Jesus, not whether or not the Gospels contain legendary or mythical, I guess, uh, material about him. 
Well, that's right. The, the Gospels, in fact, do contain legends about Jesus, and, and there, there are uh, contradictions in the Gospels and discrepancies in the Gospels, and uh, they describe events that did not happen. So that, that's absolutely conceded. I, I agree with that, and I've, I've written about that at length in, in other books. Uh, so the question here, though, is given that, given the nature of our Gospels, can we, can we use them, and can we use other sources to establish the existence of Jesus, and once you know that Jesus existed, what, what can we say about him? Well, let me try this. I'm going to offer the mythicist argument as I understand it, and I'll let you respond. I'll give it in, in, one, in one shot, and we can break it up uh, as you respond. Uh, in your DVD uh, series on the New Testament that's produced, I think, by The Great Courses, uh, you tell a story about a student who wanted to write a paper about how Jesus was perceived outside the Christian community in the first century. And as I remember from the DVD, you said that was a great idea, except that the paper would be very short. Uh, There's little about Jesus except what we find in the New Testament, which treats him really as a divine figure. He never wrote anything. He never served in public office, except for brief comments by Josephus and Tacitus. There's little, if anything, outside the New Testament and other Christian literature that that even mentions him. Uh, Paul seems to care about him as a theological figure. That goes for the Gospels, too. Uh, Many of the stories about him are fantastic or appear to have antecedents in the Hebrew Scriptures or other literature. Some of the themes, like dying and rising, virgin birth, various miracles, seem to have parallels in pagan literature. And the Gospels seem to read as stories in which Jesus is a character as opposed to biographies in which Jesus is a real person. So it seems, given all of that in one whirlwind, that he could have been made up. How do you respond? Well, no, that is a whirlwind, and that's, that's a very good statement of the mythicist position. Uh, I think each of those points you make have to be taken on one by one, and that's what I, I do in my book, is I, I look at each of those uh, statements, some of which I would agree are true, but uh, are probably irrelevant, and others of which I, I think are probably not true. But, uh, I mean, with respect to the evidence uh, for Jesus, most people don't realize this. But it's absolutely true. There's no physical evidence that Jesus existed. There's no archaeological evidence of any kind uh, that indicates that he existed. But the same thing can be said of virtually everybody who lived in his day. Uh, we, have, we don't have archaeological evidence for, uh, for almost anybody in Jesus' day. And so that means that if you want to show that any of these millions of people lived, you have to appeal to other kinds of evidence. And I show what that evidence is in the book. And ju- just to show you how, how uh, all of that is so relative, the, the most important figure in Jesus' day, if Jesus lived, was, was Pontius Pilate, the, the governor of Judea. Uh, he was the most influential, powerful figure in all of Palestine when Jesus was alive, if Jesus was alive. And uh, Pilate was the governor between 26 and 36 CE, so he ruled for 10 years. And so you might ask, um, how, how much is is Pilate talked about by Roman authors of his day? Jesus is never mentioned. How often is Pontius Pilate mm-hmm. mentioned? And the reality is Pontius Pilate is never mentioned in any Roman author of his day. And so if somebody as powerful as Pontius Pilate is, isn't mentioned, it, it, would be, uh, it would be asking too much to say that Jesus, too, should be mentioned. So the question isn't whether Jesus is mentioned in these ancient sources. The question is, is there any other evidence for the existence of Jesus? And, and I show in my book that, in fact, there, there's all sorts of evidence. What a, uh-huh. What yeah, yeah, no. So I mean, I can I can go on forever. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, what about some of they argue about like say Paul? He seems to care yeah. about Jesus as a theological figure, the dying and rising. Uh, yes. Sounds well, no, mythical. It's, it's, 
Yes, no, it's absolutely true that Paul was not overly concerned with showing that Jesus existed. And uh, what mythicists sometimes claim is that Paul never talks about Jesus as a historical figure. And that simply is not true. Uh, it makes you think that many of these mythicists maybe haven't even read the writings of Paul. Because Paul explicitly says that Jesus was born of a woman, that he was, uh, that he was Jewish, that he had 12 disciples, that, um, that he had the Last Supper, that he was crucified. Uh, Paul mentions his brothers. Paul says that, in fact, he himself personally knows one of Jesus' brothers, James. Uh, so this is all information you can get out of Paul, which uh, it may not be a lot. I mean, it's not, it's not enough to reconstruct the character of Jesus or, uh, or many of his teachings, but it's certainly enough to know that Jesus uh, existed as a human being. Uh, as I point out in my book, uh, since Paul knows his brother, um, knows Jesus' brother James, uh, if Jesus didn't exist, you would think his brother would know about it. <laughs> <laughs> my guest is Dr. Bart Ehrman, a professor at uh, Religious Studies at University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. He's written a number of books on New Testament and early Christian origins, including uh, provocative titles such as Jesus Interrupted, Revealing the Hidden Contradictions in the Bible and Why We Don't Know About Them, God's Problem, how the Bible fails to answer a most important question, why we suffer, forged, writing in the name of God, why the Bible's authors are not who they think they are, and uh, misquoting Jesus, the story behind who changed the Bible and why. It's kind of interesting that now it, it seems that you're almost, uh, in writing this book, um, not, I don't know if it's say on the other side, but you've been accused by those who might be orthodox of being too skeptical, and now you might be accused of being not skeptical enough. Yes, no, that, that's an interesting thing. I, I like to think of the, uh, the conservative evangelicals who have seen me as uh, an enemy all these years uh, uh, cheering me on from the sidelines now that I'm <laughs> stating a position uh -huh. that they happen to agree with. But I, I approach all of these subjects purely as a historian. Uh, so I'm not taking sides on religious issues. I'm, I'm simply asking, what can a historian say about the New Testament and about the historical Jesus? And uh, even though uh, my view of Jesus is not that shared by many evangelical Christians, I certainly agree with them that he, that he existed. What about uh, looking at the Gospels? Um, uh, many of the stories about him seem to be fantastic, a, a lot of miracles, uh, birth stories, dying and rising, virgin birth, various miracles have, seem to have parallels in, in pagan literature and have uh, antecedents perhaps even in the Hebrew Scriptures. I'm thinking of uh, Matthew's story of the birth, parallel Exodus 2, um, you know, with uh, Moses yeah. and the bulrushes and all of that, and, yeah. and Psalm 22 perhaps uh, being echoed in uh, Mark 15 of the crucifixion. Yeah. Yes, well, I think it's absolutely right that there are uh, similarities uh, between what happens to Jesus in the Gospels and what happens to other figures in the Old Testament, such as the birth of Moses, as you mentioned. Uh, the Gospel writers had in mind the prophecies of Scripture when they wrote up their, their accounts of Jesus' life, and so their, these, these uh, prophecies affected how they told the stories of Jesus by these authors who wanted to show that Jesus fulfilled prophecies. And there are uh, striking parallels between what Jesus uh, did and what is said to have been done by other divine figure in the, in the Greek and Roman worlds, uh, pagan demigods. 
Uh, I think the mythicists press these similarities too far, however. Uh, when you read some books by the mythicists, they claim that everything that is said about Jesus can be paralleled in, uh, in these other gods of the, in the pagan world. And especially, it's commonly stated that, that there were a large number of divine men or gods, divine, uh, sort of demigods, who died and rose again and that Jesus was invented as a kind of Jewish version of the pagan dying rising God. What I show in my book in fact, is that, in fact, that isn't true. Uh, we do not have instances in the pagan world, by which I mean the non-Jewish, non-Christian world, we don't have instances of pagan gods who died and rose again. So, so Christians did not invent Jesus along the lines of an established type, because that type didn't exist until Christianity came along. I remember when I was in seminary, and this would have been in the 80s and 90s, we went to the same seminary, incidentally, at Princeton Theological Seminary. And, oh, yeah. I, and I remember one of the things that was um, talked about then was kind of narrative criticism of the Gospels. I, we learned form criticism and redaction criticism that the authors, you know, were editors. But there was kind of a new development that seemed seemed new to me, I guess, that uh, thinking of the authors themselves as, as creative authors. Um, yes. And so then he, it might... With that lens, one could look at the Gospels as literary creations as opposed to editors. Where, where do you, is it? It's kind of a spectrum of, of, of Well, views. it is kind of a spectrum, and, you know, different scholars of the New Testament approach the New Testament Gospels in a variety of ways, and one way certainly to approach them is by treating them seriously as narratives, in other words, as, as literary texts. Whatever else you say about the Gospels, they are certainly literary texts, and you can apply literary methods of analysis to understand these books. One implication of that is that these authors are not simply recording history as it really happened. In other words, uh, whoever wrote the Gospel of Mark wasn't transcribing something that he captured on his camcorder when he was following Jesus around. Uh, his is a story uh, about Jesus. And uh, as with all stories of ancient people, there are fictional elements in his story. And so one of the tasks that scholars have is to separate out the fictional elements from the historical realities. Uh, and so that, that's what scholars do then, is they try to establish uh, what, what, what is literary in this account and what is actually going back to some kind of historical event. My guest, Dr. Bart Ehrman, author of Did Jesus Exist? The Historical Argument for Jesus of Nazareth. So what about the evidence, then, for the historical Jesus? Is there a smoking gun? Is there a piece of evidence or several pieces of evidence that show clearly and certainly that Jesus existed? Well, there's lots of evidence, and I, and I cite the evidence in my book. To, to begin with, the Gospels themselves, even though the Gospels are written 30, 40, or 50 years after Jesus allegedly Die, lived and died, uh, the, the, it, it's wrong to write them off on those grounds, because scholars have long recognized that the Gospels that survive are based on earlier written Gospels that don't survive, and those earlier written Gospels were based on oral traditions. You can trace the oral traditions about Jesus all the way back to a year or two after his death, uh, I show how that happens in my book. 
a number of these traditions were originated in Aramaic, as can be shown by a linguistic analysis of the Gospels. So Aramaic was the language of Palestine, where Jesus lived. So that we, even though the Gospels are 30, 40, 50 years later written by Greek-speaking Christians living in different countries, the traditions in these Gospels go back to just a year or two at, 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 at the latest from the time of Jesus' life. And so um, you have independent uh, attestation of a number of events from Jesus' life, uh, which which can be dated to within a year or two of, of his having lived, and so that so that's where you start. You start you obviously start with the Gospels. Uh, you also have the Apostle Paul, as we mentioned earlier. Paul uh, converted to be a follower of Jesus probably a year or so after Jesus died, and Paul had heard about Jesus from people who were telling stories about him. That means people were telling stories about Jesus some months after his after the date of his his death. So you don't have to wait 50 years. Um, some mythicists claim that Jesus was invented by Alexandrian Jews, Jews living in Alexandria, Egypt, 30 years after, after the alleged date of his death. But that can't be true, because we have stories about Jesus floating around that we can date precisely within a year of the date of his death. Uh, so all that has to be taken into account. Plus, as I point out, uh, Paul personally knows Jesus' closest follower, uh, Peter, knows him personally, uh, and Paul personally knows Jesus' own brother, James, uh, and mentions his other brothers. So that uh, we have that—that's—it's not the same as saying that somebody who knew Jesus wrote about him, but somebody who knew his close friends and uh, family writes about him. So that—that's pretty good evidence, right there. You write in your book, I thought this was very clever, you said Jesus did exist. He may not have been the Jesus that your mother believes in or the Jesus of the stained glass window or the Jesus of your least favorite televangelist or the Jesus proclaimed by the Vatican, the Southern Baptist Convention, the local megachurch or the California Gnostic, but he did exist. And we can say a few things with relative certainty about him. What are some of those things we can say about him? What do uh, historical scholars agree on are the basics of the person Jesus? Well, there, there are a lot of different opinions among scholars, not to mention non-scholars, about who Jesus really was. And when you read books written by scholars, you'll find a wide uh, range of, of view about, about what Jesus really was like and what he said and did. But there are some constants that virtually everybody who's an expert in this field agrees on. For example, everybody agrees that Jesus was a first-century Palestinian Jew who was raised in Galilee and spent his, his, uh, his preaching ministry in Galilee, that he made a trip to Jerusalem the last week of his life uh, when Pontius Pilate was the governor there, and that uh, something happened in Jerusalem and he got in trouble with the law and Pontius Pilate ordered him to be crucified, uh, which he was. So that the, uh, the basics of his life as a first-century Palestinian Jewish preacher and the fact of his death by crucifixion is agreed on by, ver- but it's agreed on by everybody who, who works on the historical Jesus uh, in, throughout, throughout the world. And then you go on to say that Jesus was an apocalyptic prophet, going back to um, the ideas of Albert Schweitzer then in the early uh, 20th century. Uh, can you, what does that mean, to be an apocalyptic prophet? Yeah, no, that, that's right. I mean, Albert Schweitzer is famous uh, among people today for having won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1955. He, he was famous earlier in his life for writing this book in 1906 called The Quest of the Historical Jesus. 
And Schwe- because Schweitzer was the first to popularize this view that Jesus is best understood as an apocalyptic prophet. By that, uh, scholars mean that Jesus predicted that the end of history as we know it was soon to come. Jesus believed that the forces of evil were in control of this world. Uh, That's why there's so much uh, pain and misery and suffering going on. But God was soon to intervene in the course of history to overthrow the forces of evil and set up a good kingdom on earth in which there'd be no more pain or or misery or suffering, a, a utopian kingdom, the kingdom of God. And Jesus predicted that this utopian kingdom was going to arrive uh, with, uh, within the lifetime of his disciples. So it happened within his own generation. So that Jesus thought that history, as we know it, was going to come to a cla- crashing halt and, uh, and a good kingdom would soon appear. So did Jesus um, see himself as part of this divine plan? I mean, did he anticipate his own death and resurrection? Um, I, my view of this is that Jesus did not uh, anticipate his own death and resurrection. He, he, might have, he might have realized that he was going to get in trouble for some of the things he was saying, and he probably knew what happened to, to Jewish prophets who get in trouble. They, they often were killed. Uh, and so he, he may have anticipated that. But I don't think that was really what Jesus was uh, focusing on in his public ministry. When you read the, go- the earliest Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, what Jesus focuses on is the coming kingdom of God. Uh, the question is, what role did Jesus see himself playing in this coming kingdom of God? And here's where we get more and more speculative. Uh, so we can say with certainty some things, you know, that Jesus existed and that he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. Mm-hmm. We can say with less certainty uh, other things. And one of the things that I think is probably right, but, but is less certain, is that Jesus anticipated when this coming kingdom of God was going to arrive, um, and when the forces of evil would be destroyed, that he himself would be set up as the king of this kingdom uh, in, this, in this future age. Uh, and to that extent, I think the Christian proclamation is right, that Jesus thought that he was probably some kind of Messiah figure. This is uh, Religion for Life. If you've just tuned in, my guest is Dr. Bart Ehrman, author of Did Jesus Exist? The Historical Argument for Jesus of Nazareth. Dr. Ehrman is the James A. Gray Distinguished Professor of Religious Studies at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, an expert on New Testament and early Christian origins. And we're talking about Jesus, the apocalyptic prophet, who, well, I guess from our modern viewpoint, would have is just kind of wrong. He, he seems to be comparable to uh, Harold Camping. <laughs> right. Well, uh, with one difference, that Harold Camping knew which day it was going to happen, and Jesus said no one knows which day it's going to happen. So, so there is that difference. Um, I think that, uh, let me just say that this point of view that I'm mapping out uh, about Jesus as an apocalyptic prophet was a point of view that I had when I was still a Christian, and it's not an anti-Christian view. Um, it does mean that Jesus would have been wrong about the calendar, uh, that he got the date wrong, uh, that the end did not come within the generation that he was living in. So that's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are plenty of Christians who agree with Jesus' overarching apocalyptic message that, that there are evil forces in the world and that ultimately God is going to triumph. Uh, that, that Christians can agree with that, even while acknowledging that Jesus probably got the date wrong. Well, were, were there others who thought of themselves in this way as apocalyptic prophets? And, and if so, uh, what was it about Jesus that he had over the others that elevated him into legend? 
Well, there certainly were others, and this is one of the things that scholars have been insistent on, is that if you want to understand Jesus, you have to put him in his own historical context. And uh, what we now know about first-century Palestinian Judaism is that it was thir- that there, there were lots of people who were thoroughly apocalyptic there, including, for example, the authors of the Dead Sea Scrolls, who, who also had uh, apocalyptic expectations of the coming end. Uh, there were other prophets, like John the Baptist, who proclaimed that the end was coming very soon, that God was soon to destroy the forces of evil, uh, and other prophets that we know about from, from ancient historical sources. So the question is, what makes Jesus different from all these others? And I think there's one thing that makes Jesus different. It's that his followers, for, for one reason or another, some of his followers claimed that after his death, God had raised him from the dead. It was the belief in the resurrection that made Jesus stand out from all the other prophets of his day, and that's how we account for the beginning of Christianity, is that some of his followers claimed he got raised from the dead. And that idea of resurrection wasn't really so much about life after death, was it? It was more about uh, God making justice uh, in the end. That's right. The, people don't realize that uh, today, but, but originally the idea of resurrection was precisely an apocalyptic idea. The idea is that now forces of evil are in control of this world, so that anybody who prospers in this world or succeeds in this world uh, has sided with the forces of evil. But those who are oppressed now are the ones who have sided with God, because it's the forces of evil in control now, not God. When God intervenes, though, and destroys the forces of evil, he'll destroy everybody who has sided with them, which means he'll take the powerful out of power and will destroy them, and it's the lowly and oppressed who will be exalted. But this applies not only to the people who happen to be living when this climactic moment happens. It applies as well to people who have already died. God is going to raise people from the dead bodily. Uh, those who have sided with God are going to be rewarded, and those who have uh, sided with evil and prospered are going to be punished eternally. When Christians said Jesus was raised from the dead, they were saying that the resurrection has started, and the rest are going to be raised now very soon. That's why the earliest Christians thought that the end was imminent, because they thought the resurrection had begun. I have to say, Dr. Ehrman, that the apocalyptic Jesus is, is somewhat of an acquired taste. Uh, he, he, he's, 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 not, he's not user-friendly in some ways. Is there anything about him that, as we ministers would say, that preaches? Oh, I'd say it completely preaches. I, I mean, for one thing, I think if somebody preaches Jesus, they probably ought to preach what Jesus himself preached. <laughs> sure. And the, the message is that, that, um, that pain and suffering and misery and evil... Uh, do not have the last word. God has the last word. Uh, And death is not the end of the story. Uh, There's a life after death in which there'll be good that prevails over evil. Uh, I I think that one preaches pretty well. Dr. Ehrman, your next way, just have about a minute or so. Your next book, I, I understand from reading this one, is How Jesus Became God. Can you give us a hint about that? Right, so the question is, if Jesus was a Jewish apocalyptic prophet, uh, a fairly unknown preacher from rural backwater Galilee, uh, who was crucified for crimes against the state, how is it that this, this itinerant preacher uh, became God? How did he become the second member of the Trinity? 
Uh, well, that's a really interesting story. Uh, it's predicated, of course, on Jesus having existed, which he did, I, I think, uh, and, and it's predicated on the idea that he didn't understand himself to be God, and his followers did not understand himself to be God. But within 20, 30, 40 years, people are starting to think of him as God. Uh, and my question is, how did that happen? Dr. Bart Ehrman, uh, professor of religious studies at University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, author of Did Jesus Exist? The Historical Argument for Jesus of Nazareth. Pick up the book, be informed. Dr. Ehrman, thank you for being with me on Religion for Life. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Next week, we continue our series, Will the Real Jesus Please Rise? I will be speaking with one of those mythicists, Dr. Robert M. Price, who makes the case that Jesus is a fictional character from beginning to end. He's the author of The Christ Myth Theory. Hear another side of the argument on Religion for Life. I'm John Sheck, minister of the First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. More information about my congregation can be found at fpcelizabethton.org. Information about Religion for Life, including upcoming shows and podcasts, are available at religionforlife.me. Follow Religion for Life on Facebook and Twitter. Religion for Life is a co-production of WETS-FM and WETS-HD1 Johnson City, Tennessee, and WEHC-FM Emory, Virginia. Be well.